The following episode may contain material that some listeners may find triggering or disturbing and may not be suitable for younger audiences, including depictions of sexual assault, violence, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. The waiting period is so tough. And I remember hearing a sermon from Joyce Meyer, and she said, there's seed, time, and harvest. And oftentimes we read it together, like seed, time, and harvest, right? So plant, harvest. And she's like, no, what if it's seed? And then there's time, like all this time. And then there's harvest. There's been so many things where I've been in that time space and kind of stuck in that waiting room and trying to figure out how to wait well on God. Even as everyone else is in their harvest season and you're still somewhere stuck between seed and time, it's going to come because that's how he's ordained it. These are stories featuring everyday women who have overcome some extraordinary obstacles. From Ash Media Network, this is the good news. Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the Good News Podcast. If you've been loving these stories so far, please leave us a rating and a review on the podcast app that you're tuning in on. That helps others find and learn about the show. This goes without saying, but thank you so much for listening to each of our stories. It means a lot to us. Today's story is from Jewel. I enjoyed my conversation with Jewel so much that we ended up talking about things that had nothing to do with the interview. And she really brought joy to my day that day when we spoke, even though I was the one interviewing her and creating a space for her to open up and share her story. She allowed me to open up to her and share mine. Even though we had just met, I found myself wanting to give her a hug and just say, thank you. Thank you for this great advice. And I know you'll understand what I'm talking about when you hear her story. Here's Jewel. My name is Jewel Dykeen, and I am originally from Williamsburg, Virginia. I think when people say that our slogan is Virginia is for lovers, it really is. It really is for lovers, especially going back home uh, to Williamsburg area. It's just Everyone's kind and warm and hospitable. It's just, I love it. When I think back to like high school, college, Jewel, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, I'm still that girl. I just think that through life and all of that, I've kind of built more awareness of self and life. Um, But I would say I was definitely like eager, like eager beaver excited about all the things. I was loud, silly, all through school. I was the talkative one, kind of like the class clown. I was cool with everybody. Like, um, I just, very similar to my mom in that I I met no strangers. Like, it's very easy. Yeah, it's very easy for me to connect to people and I get along well with people and I think that that's still there. And, And like I said, that eagerness and excitement, all of that, I think that that's still... Um, very much there. Our story is so crazy, but so beautiful. We actually met in middle school. Um, we have been best friends since we were 11 years old. Best friends. Um, and so we literally grew up together. Um, we started dating in high school, junior year. 
I always tease him because it was it was after the movie Love and Basketball came out. Love and Basketball came out and he wrote me a letter about like being more than friends. And so it was the best little letter ever. And so, yeah, like we've been together since. We have been together, gosh, like 20 or 21 years. It's, it's definitely a blessing. I literally feel like we walk through life together. I mean, honestly, right? Like when you really think about it. Um, and, and like I said, best friends. And so we just celebrated 14 years of marriage in August. Once we started dating and the whole college thing happened and, you know, you're in adulthood and you can kind of see the future and what you want. We always talked about wanting kids. So, yeah, we always wanted a family. Um, we were kind of like, oh, let's have two kids, two and through. And yeah, so we, we definitely wanted kids. So when we got married, I was actually in my master's program. And so the deal was we'll get married. And then once I finished what was called residency, we would try to have children. We waited. We actually waited five years into our marriage before we started trying for my son. 2017, he turned three. We had kind of come to this space where we're like, okay, he's potty trained. <laughs> That's a big thing for parents. It's like, okay, he's potty trained. There's no more diapers. He's, you know, getting close to two. We wanted to go ahead and start trying. I want to say it was like that September of 2016, I got off the pill. And it wasn't until like that December that we like actively started trying where I was like charting everything. So stressful. Charting all the things and the apps and all of that. We went through that for a few months. So it wasn't as quick as it was with my son. Um, and then in March is when I found out I was pregnant for the second time. So, so the night that I found out about it, I was extremely excited. You know, my husband and I elated. And then I don't know if it was that like in the middle of the night or the next night, but something came over me and I just was like very nervous. It was like something was happening like spiritually for me. I couldn't really describe it, but it was like this uneasy feeling that I had not had during my pregnancy um, with my son. And then, you know, things kind of really started to get weird with the pregnancy. I started spotting, which was, I didn't experience that. And sometimes it can be normal. Um, so when I went to the doctor, they're like, no, that's, that can be normal. We'll, we'll run your blood work, all of that. And so they did. And so my numbers, so they test what's called HCG. I can't remember what that acronym means, but it's an HCG level. And it's supposed to be at a certain point. It tells you how far along you are. And then every so often or every few days, it's supposed to double. So my numbers were like going up, although I was having a little bit of spotting. So they were like, we're not concerned. This is normal. Your numbers are going up. You're doing great. So I'm like, okay, cool. So the spotting stops. I'm still just kind of waiting, you know, until the ultrasound. But my spirit, Ashley, like I can't, I can't describe it. And you only know this if you are a spiritual person. If you, you know, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying when, when people uh, hear this, but my spirit wasn't settled. I remember at the top of that year, I have to share this story to kind of put everything in place, but at the, at the top of that year, so mind you, I got pregnant, I found I was pregnant in March. In January, I listened to a sermon by Torre Roberts. I don't know if you know who that is, but Pastor Torre did a sermon, um, a prophetic sermon for the year, and it was entitled The Year of Alignment. He talked about what that meant and all the things. And so it was so powerful. I had called my sister and I was like, oh my gosh, she did this sermon and I just want to be in alignment. For 2017, my only goal, I'm not setting any resolutions, my only goal is to be in alignment with God. I remember like writing it out and I called my sister back and I started crying. And she's like, why are you crying? And I was like, 
because I felt God say, and I'm going to test you. And I'm scared. Like, I don't know why, like I'm telling God, like, I'm not going to make any resolutions, Jesus. I just want to be in alignment with your will. I thought he would be happy. And he's like, I'm going to test you. Like, like, what are we doing right now? So my sister is, is a bit more spiritually mature than me. And so she says to me, it's okay. Like, well, whatever happens, you're going to get through it. Like God will walk beside you through whatever happens. So don't fret essentially. And I was like, okay, girl, but I was still very unsettled. Long story short, we move into March. I'm pregnant, all the things. And I'm having this unsettled feeling in my spirit, despite what the doctors are saying. We go in for the first appointment and it was Easter weekend. It was the, the weekend after Easter. So my whole family was down and we actually told my family. So at this point, I think I was about nine weeks, like eight or nine weeks. Um, we didn't wait the first, you know, until the end of the first trimester. So we shared with my family. Um, because everything was going well, all the numbers were great. I think that Monday, Easter Monday, I had an appointment with the doctor. That's when I, I, I would say that Monday is when my entire life changed. So we're driving to the appointment and I start crying. And my husband was like, what's wrong? Like, what is going on? I was like, I'm scared. I was like, I don't feel good. I don't, something's wrong. I don't feel good. We get to the appointment. I'm laying down on the little bed thing. She's doing the ultrasound. And so she's clicking away and doing everything with the little Doppler. I said to her, I remember specifically saying, is everything okay? And she said, I can't answer that. I'm going to bring the doctor in. So the doctor came in. I'm already bawling, like poor doctor. And, and she's trying to tell me what's happening. And I can see she has tears in her eyes. And I'm like, what is going on? And so she says, the sack was empty. So, so there's no baby. The sack is empty. So you're pregnant, but there's, it didn't fully develop. It's not a viable pregnancy. She's like, so we have three options. And so the first one was you can get a DNC, to a procedure to terminate the pregnancy. You can take a pill, which will help your body to essentially contract and terminate the pregnancy. Or you can allow this to pass on its own. The issue was my body was still very much functioning as if it was pregnant. So at this point, my HCG numbers were in the tens and twenties of thousands as if, and they were continuing to go up. So um, after much thought, prayer, talking to a friend, I, I decided to have a DNC. After that process, I scheduled the DNC for that Friday. That Tuesday, so I'm at the doctor on Monday, I find out about the miscarriage. Tuesday, I'm back at work. I don't know what was going on for me. It was kind of, I guess, like my defense mechanism of there's nothing I can do about this, so let me just go and do something I know I can do. And so I went to work literally all the days leading up to that procedure. I specifically scheduled the procedure on a Friday because I didn't want to take off from work. Not that I didn't have the leave, not that I didn't have the coverage, for whatever reason, I just, I think in hindsight, I didn't want to sit with it. I didn't want to sit with the feelings. And the thing that stood out that I, I want to kind of emphasize is when she told me the options and she mentioned the DNC, she said, this is the only guaranteed way to ensure that we get everything. So this is the only way. So these other two options, heaven forbid, if it doesn't work, we, we would have to do a DNC anyways. 
So did the DNC, all of that, returned to work. I always tell people there was Jewel like pre-2017 and Jewel after, and they're not the same people um, because it was such a traumatic experience. It was such a traumatic experience. First off, I told Jewel that I could not even begin to imagine what that must have been like for her. Out of 100 pregnancies, 10 to 15% end in miscarriage. It is something that, unfortunately, happens, but in my opinion, not talked about enough. Here is a woman who had life growing inside of her, and then she didn't. And that woman now has to go through that, not just physically, but mentally. And I empathize with that deeply. The way that you said it is is so like right on target. Even though in that situation, and there's so many reasons for miscarriages that, that women experience and so many different things, but even in that situation, even though they didn't see a baby, my body thought it was pregnant. My body was pregnant. It was responding as if, right? And so it, it was so traumatic because the, the other part of that that I don't want to, you know, forget to mention is that the miscarriage lasted for five and a half months. And when I say that, it wasn't that I had this DNC and then it was over and I began my emotional healing. I had the DNC and then my body literally, the only way I can describe it is began to break the promises of the doctor. A month later, my body started to release more of the pregnancy that wasn't captured in the DNC. I was at work. It was extremely traumatic. I definitely, you know, in hindsight, had post had PTSD um, as a result of it because I was I was I'm a mental health therapist, so I was at work. I was in a session, and my body began to break the promises literally. And I'm calling my husband after the session, like something's wrong, something's wrong. You know, long story short, I end up having to go to the hospital um, because I was hemorrhaging so bad when they. I guess did all of their exams, et cetera. Basically, my, my numbers, I remember very specifically, I was still at 25,000 a month after the DNC. And so they had to perform another DNC, another DNC for the same pregnancy. It was unheard of. Like this, they had talked about this has never happened before. But, but long story short, I had to have another DNC. They kept me in the hospital just to monitor my levels, to monitor the hemorrhaging and all of that. I'll never forget, for whatever reason, it was Cinco de Mayo weekend <laughs> that I was in the hospital. It was, it was really difficult. And then after that, they're like, okay, we've got everything. You are cleared. We did all these extra tests and, and uh, ultrasounds and all these things. You were cleared. Your menstrual cycle will resume back in about four weeks. You'll be fine. July comes and there's no menstrual cycle. No menstrual cycle. I'm calling and they're like, okay, this is weird. So my husband and I were, were going to take a trip to Miami. It would have been my first time uh, going to Miami. Yes. So, so excited. And I was like, you know what? Let's take a pregnancy test because we've had fun. Literally the night before the flight, we take a pregnancy test and it's positive. And I'm like, oh my God, it's no way. I mean, there is a way, but is this true? Like what's happening right now? So I call the doctor. And I'm like, I need to know, 
like, am I pregnant? This pregnancy test is showing that I'm pregnant. And the lady, I will never forget, she specifically said yes, because there is no way that this is tied to your previous pregnancy. This is a new pregnancy. So go on your trip, enjoy it. Don't drink. And when you come back, you need to come to the doctor. It was not a new pregnancy. It was the same pregnancy in July from March. The same pregnancy. I was listening to an episode on NPR's Code Switch called The Women Behind the Montgomery Bus Boycott. And when I say I was tapped in from the moment I pressed play, when we think about the bus boycott, we think about Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King, but we never really learned how this bus boycott was organized. But in this episode, you hear directly from the many women who organized for months and did what it took to make this bus boycott happen. And y'all, I was locked in the entire time. If you're interested in hearing more stories like this, you have to check out NPR's podcasts. And NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories of joy, stories of resilience, stories that are distinct and varied and nuanced as the Black experience itself. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. And at this point, it's, it's no longer, again, have not been able to fully emotionally process the loss of this pregnancy because it's been all of these hurdles. And at this point, we're like, what is happening? So I go to a different doctor and they're like, this is unheard of. They do an ultrasound. They can still see on the ultrasound because it turns colors that there's essentially residue from this pregnancy. And the doctor says to me, the only way to get this is to have another DNC. I remember crying and I was like, I'm not doing another DNC. I was like, I'm not. And we left and I was just like praying, um, crying a lot. My father-in-law came up that weekend. We told him what was happening and he prayed over me. And the next day, my body released the pregnancy. My body released the pregnancy and I had a a normal menstrual cycle, Um, but that was like August. The beginning of August when that happened. I asked Jewel, given that she was getting bad news after bad news and in this dark and very tough season of her life, did she ever question her faith in God? Did she ever ask God, where are you? Did she ever think he forgot about her? Absolutely. For for uh, Yes, absolutely. For months. During that time, I questioned, and I remember sitting there, I would have what I call like coffee with Jesus. (laughs) So I would have a cup of coffee, I would journal and pray and worship or whatever. And I remember being like, what are you doing, bruh? Like, straight, like, I love you, I know you love me, but I don't know, like, if things got tied up, like, what is happening right now? Like, and you go through those things, and I, I think that, you know, that's one of the things that sometimes can be a disservice in our faith is we're not taught that we do have permission to ask questions. We do have permission to feel. And I remember saying, because I grew up very much like you don't question God. I don't know who taught me that. 
I don't know if all the Christians, you know, all the Christians learned the same message. I don't know, child, but that was ingrained in me. And I remember one day crying on my way to work. That happens very often during this season. And I said, so we got to talk. Like, I have to be able to question you. I have questions. And, and, and I know you may not give me all the answers, but I need to know that this space is as safe as everyone says it is because it's one thing to learn about God and it's another thing to know him for yourself. And I think that this, that experience in 2017 gave me space to know God for myself, to form my own very deep, very intimate relationship with him. And I, God and I literally talk like you and I are talking right now. Like there's no airs, there's no pomp and circumstance. Like there's none of that. Like it's straight up and down. You're my daughter. Yes. And we're going to have this conversation. And so I'm thankful for that because I got to know God in a different way than how I was maybe conditioned to see the relationship. Let's backtrack a bit. For those of you that grew up in church or those of you learning more about your faith, and learning who and what God is to you, I think you may agree. Somewhere along the lines, we've been taught that you can't question God. But as a very real, very human person with real feelings and real emotions going through some real things, we have questions. And oftentimes, when bad things happen, when you're in a rough season, We often find ourselves asking, well, God, what did I do wrong? Why is this happening? Why aren't you stepping in to save the day? Or those are the questions I find myself asking. So I asked Jewel, did she ever question God? And if so, what was the answer she got? Both and. Um, yeah, there were times that it definitely felt like I did something wrong or I was on punishment. Um, and, and sometimes I still talk to God about that. Like when, cause we're dramatic, right? Like as human beings. So whenever things aren't going our way for too long, we're like, okay, daddy, like, am I in timeout? Like, am I in the corner? Like what's going on? Did I do something? And, you know, I, I think like I, I did kind of get to a space and it, it took a lot where, I started like reading the word more. And that's what I talked about is that knowing him for yourself. And I'm like, okay, so you said all things will work together for my good. So I'm going to trust you. Even if it's like, cause you, that was the other thing I really got familiar with is like that whole mustard seed thing. And, and I think that that's how I started to heal was, was seeing the mustard seed and reading the word and knowing that I only have to have, he's not expecting perfection. He's allowing me to have bad days. He's allowing me to be sad and upset and disappointed and all of those things and to trust that you were going to work this for my good. I really had to start writing those scriptures down and I'm like, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know that's your business and I'm going to trust you at least a mustard seed worth. It was way more than that, but at least that to do what you said you're going to do. And so, you know, just in that part of knowing God, like those old school gospel songs where it's like, he kept my mind and he kept, I'm like, child, I understand that now. The waiting period is so tough. And I remember hearing a sermon from Joyce Meyer and she said, there's seed, time and harvest. And oftentimes we read it together, like seed, time and harvest, right? So plant, harvest. And she's like, no, what if it's seed, 
and then there's time, like all this time, and then there's harvest. And I was like, girl, you're in my house. Like, there's been so many things where I've been in that time space and kind of stuck in that waiting room and trying to figure out how to wait well on God. A part of my journey was learning that, is learning how to wait well on God and learning that even as everyone else is in their harvest season and you're still somewhere stuck between seed and time, it's going to come because that's how he's ordained it. Kind of getting into that posture of praising him in advance that you know that once it comes, it's going to be exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask or think. It's really about kind of slowing down enough to know that he's in full control, even when it doesn't feel like it to us. I think after that happened, so that was in August, I, I probably did take like a few months off where I wasn't, I never got back on the pill. So I was never not trying. Right. But I kind of was like, okay, Lord, like I'm just going to breathe and we'll see what happens. In 2018, ironically, I heard another sermon from Torre, from Pastor Torre, and it was, it was called the year of becoming. And he talked about how everything from the year of alignment, God was going to use to help you to become the person that he created you to be in this, in this year and in this season for the kingdom. And so I started saying, okay, God, I'm going to start giving you a slow yes instead of a fast no. Cause I was like, this whole pregnancy thing isn't working right now. So maybe this isn't your time. So I'm going to do my part and then show me whatever else it is that you want me to do. I think it was like in February, you know, the memories that show up on Facebook. So when I got that word from him in 2017 about being in alignment, I made a post and I said, my only goal for 2017 is to be in alignment with God's will. So it popped back up in 2018 and God was like, share your story. And I, I shared that post, that tweet that I had made. And I, I shared my story about the miscarriage and how difficult the previous year had been. And over 300 people liked it. I received all of these DMs about how it blessed them and how they had gone through mis people had gone through miscarriages and felt so alone and all of these things. But then another thing happened from that, which was that a friend of mine asked me to speak at her church um, at a women's retreat. And it was, it would, it would have been my first time speaking, um, at a women's retreat at church or whatever. I said yes, because I had promised God I would give you this slow yes. Did it. It was amazing. And then after that, God was like, I want you to quit your job. So I'm a mental health therapist, if I haven't said that already. So I actually went and worked for the private practice that I had been working at for years before. Um, and I went and worked there full time. Um, because I was just scared. I was like, okay, I'll leave them, but I'll go, I'll be a contractor. I'll work full time for this private practice. And I did that and it was great. And I thought like, look at me stepping up, stepping out of the boat onto the water, go me. And I started to really busy myself all of that time. Cause I was like, God, I don't know what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. So I'm going to do all the things you want me to. And I started having more speaking events and doing private practice and just going after all the things that God had for me while I was waiting. So when I say that piece about posture and waiting well, I started to, it was like a both and, and it was probably still too heavy on my plan of trying to conceive. I was very like into it and tracking and all of that stuff. But 
I was also still like doing the things that I felt that God was calling me to do in that season while I was waiting for the promise. It really was a devastating thing. But what I learned is that it is better to be in God's time and in his will than to have your prayer answered out of alignment. Mind you, during all of this, I wasn't living, living like I was so busy wanting to get pregnant. That was my focus. And um, I didn't travel out of the country, which was not our norm, because I didn't want I was trying to do everything I could minus give up coffee. That whole time that I was trying, I wasn't doing any of those things. I told my husband, you know, we prayed about it. We felt like God was not calling us into fertility treatment at that time and to just live. And so I did. When the time is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen, you know, and I had to really lean on that. And that's, you know, that's what God kind of calls us to do is to like live in faith and live your life. And when the time is right for whatever it is you're praying for, if it's in his will, he will make it happen. I was actually inspired to launch my own business. So I have launched my own um, mental health private practice. It's called Beyond the Couch. I launched that on my birthday, on my 36th birthday um, in 2020. It was amazing. And, And I think what really inspired me is, like I said, we were in this pandemic. I had come to the realization that I had not been fully living and all that God had called me to do and to enjoy right? And my husband went for a run. He came home and he said, this is going to sound crazy, but I was running and God told me you can't get pregnant twice. And I was like, what? And he was like, you can't get pregnant twice. I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, you're already pregnant. He was like, you have to birth your business before you can birth the baby. And I was like, what? He was like, I know it sounds crazy. He was like, it's go time. And so we went pedal to the metal and and worked on launching this business. And we did on my birthday and it's been thriving ever since. And so I'm super thankful for that. In September of that same year, a month later, I conceived my baby, my miracle, miracle baby. Um, I conceived her and um, found out that I was pregnant at the beginning of October. Um, And to God be the glory, I was able to carry her to full term. She is here and thriving, and in August, I birthed my purpose and then became pregnant with my promise and birthed her in June 2021. I saw all of my struggle, every tear, every prayer, everything in human form. I saw God's love for me, his faithfulness personified in this seven pound, five ounce baby girl that was screaming at the top of her lungs and literally stopped crying when I laid her on my chest. You know, all babies are miracles when you really look at everything that a woman goes through. But I think to have gone through so much physically and emotionally and spiritually for us to meet and our lives to collide the way that God intended it was so much, and I'm a better person because of all that I went to, went through to get to her. Her name, I wanted to, we had all these names, of course, and towards the end of my pregnancy, 
um, what stuck was Journey because of everything I went through. Um, and her middle name is Eliana, which means my God has answered me. And, and my prayer has, has always been, Lord, may I never forget the journey that led me to her on the hard days of mothering and I'm exhausted and she's not sleeping and she's teething and she's doing all the things that she's supposed to do. And I am just like spent. May I never forget the journey. Are you smiling? I am. I asked Jewel, for someone going through this, what kind of advice could you give them? And for someone who's never gone through this, but can still learn something from you, what's the best piece of advice that you could give them? I think the best piece of advice that I would give someone who's in the middle of this or who's gone through this is you're not alone. You're not alone in this. And everything that you're going through isn't just for you. It's for someone else. Your story is going to bless someone else if you allow it to. So hang in there because it will be worth everything that you've gone through. I think for people who've never gone through it, what I would say is be kind, be gentle, because you never know what people are going through, but you also never know the things that you may have to go through. So, you know, always be be mindful that we all have a story and it's so much deeper than what we may see on the surface or what we may see on social media. And so when we're showing up for people, even if it's for something that we've never experienced and that we don't fully understand, be whole, be fully present, be gentle, be kind. And it's okay to ask questions. You know, it's okay to be, to be there and to ask questions so that you better understand what that person needs. It's been a lot, life has been a lot. And I think what I'm most proud of is that I didn't give up. I didn't give up, um, whatever it was, whether it was going to college, coming from a single parent family, um, first generation college student, to getting my master's, going through residency, all of those things, all the way to praying to have my children and praying you know, to have journey and everything that I went through to get her. The thing that I'm most proud of is, though at times it was unsteady, my faith did not waver. My faith in God did not waver. And I allowed the pain to become my purpose. I asked Jewel to take us back to that day at the doctor's office that changed her life before learning about her miscarriage, the multiple DNCs, and her journey. If she could go back to that office and tell her past self something, what would she say? I don't know. I think if I could go back to that doctor's office and seeing pre- 2017 Jewel and and how scared she was and, you know, all of that. I think the biggest thing or the first thing I would say is it really is going to be okay. It really is. It really is going to be okay. And she's going to be worth it all. She's going to be worth the wait. And it's going to be so much more than you ever imagined. The journey that you are about to embark on is going to be so much greater than you ever imagined. And you're gonna come out gold. You're gonna come out pure gold. You will be tried by the fire and you will come out pure gold. And it's gonna be okay. 
If you or someone you know is coping with a miscarriage, click the links in the description of today's episode to learn more about your local services that may be available to you. Grieving a miscarriage is real, but there is help out there. A number of nonprofit organizations aim to spread awareness of pregnancy and infant loss, and they offer support services. Those are linked in the description. To keep up with Jewel and her journey and her business, her website and information is linked as well. The Good News Podcast is a collection of personal stories told week by week with brand new episodes every Monday. Brought to you by Ash Media Network. And remember, with every bad day, there will always be a good day to follow. With every obstacle comes a victory. There is always something good to look forward to. Good news is always on its way.